we also had a best practices session where um, some things that some persons are doing locally and regionally and even one of them was from the Midwest that are going on very successfully. So we called it best practices. And one of the ones that was featured was what uh, Chandrasekhar Swami has been doing the past few months, couple months. Um, Sangha for higher principles. Did I get it right? Sangha for higher principles. And the um, the idea that he shared with us is um, establishing very, very important, basic, fundamental platform of having proper Vaishnava relationships. And what are some of the things that interfere with having proper Vaishnava relationships? How do you work out those things when there's a dynamic that's not proper? And so forth. So speak so that we can, as we continue to practice Krishna consciousness and interact with one another in Krishna consciousness, how to have as a result a more dynamic and cooperative effort in which pleases Srila Prabhupada and will produce better results. We work together in a cooperative fashion. So, uh, Rabindra Suprabhu and I will both speak something on that topic. And the approach that Chandrasekhar Maharaj outlined is that uh, it's not possible to have that result uh, without um, carefully avoiding the ten offenses against the chanting of the holy name of Bhakti Yoga Dharma. Our means of elevation and purification is chanting. And one has to overcome the offenses in chanting in order to get the full elevating, purifying, spiritualizing effect of chanting. Um, just on the car ride on the way over here from Tulanko, we were discussing this topic. And um, we'll just, I'll ask Rabindra Srupavu to share some his nice thoughts, same same thoughts he was sharing with us in the car and explain it more fully. The importance of chanting the holy name without offense and the effect that has on um, the purity of heart and, and therefore proper relationships that we have with Vaishnavas and pleasing Krishna as a result. Okay. Well, thank you. Thank you very much. So, 
this is the Sankirtan movement. And Sankirtan is the Yuga Dharma. Lord Chaitanya came not really so long ago, as time goes, <laughs> to teach this Yuga Dharma. And his desire was expressed, Param Vijayate Sri Krishna Sankirtanam, let there be all victory for the Sankirtan of Lord Sri Krishna. Now the word Sankirtan is a very interesting word. Uh, and it has two meanings. Uh, according to the way you understand the word sant, the sun, both meanings are true and both should be understood together. So of course, the general understanding we have of Sankirtan is San means together, and it's chanting together, the group chanting. Uh, so that means that if Sankirtan, of course, Kirtan means to glorify the Lord, but we do it San, together. Uh, together means broadly, in the association of devotees. And in fact, Sankirtan means as the Yuga Dharma that we cannot go back to Godhead by ourselves. We have to do it in the association of devotees. It's not going up to their malyas by yourself, none of that stuff is going to work. It has to be social enterprise together. That's why Prabhupada wrote in one letter saying that in the spiritual world we shall have another ISKCON there. Uh, it's, uh, it's true. Prabhupada is there now, and uh, we will be together. I assume that means in Chaitanya Leela. Uh, Prabhupada will have his group uh, in the transcendental realm where Lord Chaitanya has his eternal pastimes. So that's together. We go, it is done in the association of devotees. The uh, second meaning of sand applies, is used when something uh, to imply thoroughness, completeness, or perfection. Even. Like, for example, the sand in the word Sanskrit, the name of that language, means something that is done completely or thoroughly, perfectly. Sanskrit. Sanskrit. Yeah, Sanskrit. Mm -hmm. That's the name of the language. So, so this means that the chanting is done in a full and complete and thorough way. And that is done in the association of devotees. So, he, he, by, by the second meaning of Sanskrit, uh, of Sankirtan in the word 
sad in the word sankirtan. It means that the chanting also has to be done thoroughly, completely. Uh, so that, that implies there's a process. If that sankirtan is achieved, then these things happen one after another. Chetodarpana marjanam, bhava mahadavagi niratnam, shreya kaidava chandrika vitranam, vidyavadu jivanam. All these benedictions, there are nine of them in that verse. Or seven, I forgot. Seven. Seven, huh? Yeah. Seven. Seven benedictions in, in that verse when, when Sankirtan is that perfection and enchanting is, is achieved. So Prabhupada tells us in the beginning we tell everybody to chant. It's open to everyone. When we go on Harinam sometimes and the drunk come out of the bar and jump up and down with us we're happy we encourage them to chant. But then if we become serious about spiritual life, then we are expected to chant while giving up offenses. That's what's called for. That's what we mean when we say that the chanting is done completely or perfectly. It's that it's offenseless chanting. When the chanting is offenseless, then the identity with the Lord and His name is revealed. Because it states, Nama Chintamani Krishna Chaitanya Rasa Vigraha, that the name of Krishna is full of all spiritual potencies and opulences. It is eternally liberated. Why does it have all these characteristics? Abhinatva, because it is non-different. There's no difference between the name and that which is named. So it should be that when we say Krishna, there's no difference. We should see Krishna personally, face to face. This by saying Krishna, that should happen. Why doesn't that happen? Atasvi Krishna Namadi because the, the Krishna's name cannot be perceived by our materially contaminated senses. Only when those senses become purified by being engaged in Krishna's service can is the name of Krishna manifest. So that, that indicates there's a process. So that's why Prabhupada has carefully instructed us and our previous acharyas that we at least have to chant on the clearing stage to make advancement. <coughs> it's been described that there's three platforms of chanting. Prabhupada has described this and others also. There's the offensive stage, the clearing stage, and the pure stage. In the offensive stage, that means we are committing offenses against the holy name and we are not doing anything about it. We don't, we just chant and we don't care very much to, to worry about that. Then that, that holy name is the potencies are not really working. Bhaktivinoda Thakur says about offensive chanting that it is, the holy name is practically no better than letters of the alphabet. 
And I have had devotees who've been in the movement for some years complain, I chant, I chant, and nothing happens. All this advertised bliss and happiness doesn't happen to me. What's wrong with the Hare Krishna movement? What's wrong with the gurus? <laughs> Whatever. They find some reason. Blame somebody. So when we chant and try to give up offenses, just make the serious effort to give up offenses, then we're chanting on the clearing stage. This is the clearing stage. And when we're chanting on the clearing stage, then the pure name isn't manifest, but what, what's called Nam Abasa, the dawning light of the name. The, the Sanskrit word Abasa refers to the projection of light into darkness, or the reflection of light. Like if, if we're in a room we can't see the sun, but the sunlight is shining in, then that sunlight is abasa. And the example that Haridas Thakur uses in Chaitanya Charitamrita, recorded in Chaitanya Charitamrita, of abasa is the dawning light, the dawning twilight. Twilight means half-light. So in the morning, uh, before the sun is risen, first there's light in the sky. The sun is below the horizon, but the light is in the sky. This is called twilight, dawning twilight. And he says they just this nam abasa, the dawning light of the name, <coughs> destroys all sinful reactions. And the fruit of this kind of chanting is liberation. That's what he says. And he compares it to the, using the comparison of the, the, the dawning twilight, he says at night, during the nighttime, the forest is a dangerous place. It's full of, of three kinds of bad things. One is uh, robbers. <coughs> Thieves, dacoits, gangsters, highwaymen, they make the forest dangerous. And it's all also full of wild animals that roam at night. They can hurt you. And it also has these entities like Bhutas, Pretas, Pichachas, vampires, werewolves, <laughs> so on. Those are also there. But just the dawning light of the sun, just the sun's dawning light in the sky makes the forest safe. Just of that little bit. Because the, the, the robbers go back to their hideouts and the and the wild animals go back to their dens and lairs, and we all know that Dracula returns to his coffin, and the werewolf turns back into a human. Uh, so that, so that it's safe. So in the same way, Haridas Thakur says, just the nam abasa destroys our sinful reactions. 
so that brings us to the platform of liberation. Then he says, the Shudanam, the pure name, gives prema. Now that statement of him created some controversy on the occasion. You can read about it in the Chaitanya Charitamrita. So the interesting thing is that to be on the clearing stage, we simply have to be trying to become free from offenses. That's all, just trying diligently, doing our best. That's the clearing stage. This means that we can go immediately from the offensive stage into the clearing stage. Otherwise, to get from the clearing stage to the pure stage, that may take a little while. But Prabhupada calls this Namabhasa, sometimes he says, almost offenseless chanting, or almost pure. So you get very close. So how do we do this? Well, uh, uh, just to, to make a long story short, in the Harinam Shintani, it is stated that among the offenses, the offense which is at the root of all of them is pramada or inattentiveness while chanting. Not paying attention to the holy name. Ultimately, it's not paying attention to Krishna. But, but especially, uh, since we, to make advancement, we take vows to chant the holy names on the beat so many times. First of all, if we don't fulfill that, that, that vow, that's one kind of inattention, just not chanting at all. Or when we chant, another kind of inattention is when you hear the change the TV channel, or doing so many other things. Uh, I once brought a, a, a professor of mine when I was in uh, school to the temple. He wanted to come and visit. Uh, and uh, I saw that we were having kirtan. He was chanting and clapping. So I said afterward, oh, Professor Burke, how did you like the chanting? He says, it was great. I got so many good ideas. <laughs> <laughs> So it's like that. Sometimes you sit and chant, and you know your mind starts to go, and you can uh, associate and get to go from this thing and that thing, and next thing you know, you're far away. And if maybe you want to get good ideas, you can chant many rounds, thinking entirely of something else. That's the offensive stage, where our mind is not focused on Krishna. Here we've been given this opportunity to have Krishna directly in a very compact, portable form of his names. He's present in his names, and then we neglect. I mean, really, it means that, see, the, the, what the, we should think of it this way. The chanting of Hare Krishna is calling to Krishna. Prabhupada describes it. It's a call. We're addressing him, and we're asking for something. And what we are really asking for is the restoration 
of a broken relationship. Because we are in this material world and we don't see Krishna, that means there's a broken relationship. Next, how did that relationship get broken? Did I break it or did Krishna break it? I did it. You know, if, if, if a married couple is not getting along and they go to the married counselor, usually they say, well, there's fault on both sides. <laughs> Confirmed. <laughs> there's fault on both sides. But if when the relationship is with Krishna is broken, the one thing we know is there's no fault on Krishna's side. It's my fault. So now we are trying to reestablish that relationship. And so we're calling on Krishna, please take me back. I'm sorry I broke this relationship. Now I want to be reestablished with you. That is chanting on the clearing stage. Prabhupada said it should be like a baby crying for his mother that kind of sense of urgency. But what we can do in the beginning to go on the clearing stage, we should be calling Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare. We should be calling on Krishna like that. And then if our mind wanders, because after all, on the mind, look, we are born with this mind. <laughs> You know, whatever we were in our previous life, that body is gone, but we brought the mind with us. We brought the subtle body with us. And so God knows what's in there <laughs> and what we are stuck with. So the really good news is not just that I'm not this body, meaning the gross body, but I'm also, I'm not this mind. I am a devotee of Krishna. That's my true identity. The mind I have with me may not be. So um, I want to concentrate my mind on Krishna, but because of past habits from you know, past lives or whatever, it wants to go away. So what I need to do is take charge. Uh, I sit down and whenever my mind wanders, I bring it back. And so this persistent effort is paying attention. Even if every two seconds it goes away, I bring it back. And the thing is not to quit. The thing is to be persistent. Because we are proving to Krishna, look Krishna, in spite of my mind, I want a relationship with you. That's what I really want. We're proving to Krishna that we're interested in repairing this relationship. And as we repair our relationship with Krishna, we will also repair our broken relationships with everybody else. Because we are in the time here of broken relationships, especially this is the age of quarrel and the age of broken relationships. So Bhaktivinoda Thakur and put it in the Harnan Shantamani that this is the offense of pramada, inattentiveness while chanting. And he says, 
that this is the offense from which all other offenses grow. In one sense, all the other offenses are also different ways of not paying attention to Krishna. Uh, and he said, tell, gives this hint that if we are not being trying to become free from that offense, we will not be successful in becoming free from the other offenses. So this to me is extremely important information. And see, Japa is very nice. You know, the day is complicated. There are many people around. There are many mentalities. Things get confused. But when you sit down to chant your Japa, it's a very simple stage or arena. There's the holy name, there's me, and there's my mind. Those are the only actors on stage. So it clears out a lot of distractions. And we just deal with the mind. So then when, when, we, when we are, are chanting in this way, and again, if, if we have been on the offensive stage and just begin to make this effort and get on the clearing stage, things will change. Before, while I was chanting offensively, I was looking at Prabhupada's books and I'm thinking, you know, why does he keep saying the same thing all over again? It's kind of boring. When we are on the clearing stage, suddenly I open Prabhupada's books and say, wow, look what he's saying, just what I needed to hear. It all becomes very interesting. Uh, that change will be there. The devotees start to look better. Iskon looks better. And we will start to make progress. And if we have been discouraged, then we will become encouraged. And our hope will come back again. But because before we have not been making advancement in Krishna consciousness, and we're discouraged about ourselves, then we become discouraged about other people, and we're wondering why this Hare Krishna mantra isn't working Maybe, you know, the GBC this, or the Guru's that, or somebody at fault. <laughs> but it, this is the simple. These are very simple instructions uh, and that, that we can apply, and they will be very effective. And then, when we're doing that, we'll find out we've been able to do other things and avoid other offenses. And especially, the other meaning of, of, uh, uh, the, the, of Sankirtan that uh, we have to chant in association with devotees. This is also very difficult sometimes and because also the, the, the Sankirtan movement is a culture that is supposed to include the entire human race. But Normally, you know, when, 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 you, when you come together with devotees, you find out you're with all kinds of people that in ordinary life you would never find yourself in association with. Uh, and this, this was, my, I, I, my discovery was that I, I didn't really get to know the human race until I became a devotee because I realized I was a kind of a snob and the people I 
got to know were people with a certain level of education, a certain you know social, cultural, economic level of those of the you know other people. I would just keep a distant relationship but now these other people I used to kind of for one reason or another not run into in my life suddenly were my people I was living in the same room with and sharing a bathroom with every day and that's a challenge <laughs> nobody else does this you know I mean uh, this is really really a challenge and then one has to learn and, and you know it was it, it was hard to do but I also knew that without the, these people, we had something in common. We are all interested in Krishna consciousness. And that's rare. How many people in their lives are interested in spiritual advancement, interested in serving Krishna? That, that one rare good feature really is so bright and shining, all the other things should be insignificant. And uh, sometimes I had to learn to appreciate people not for what they were, but what they were wanted to become. But, in, but uh, because I realized that, yeah, the devotees may be difficult sometimes. Because uh, we go through this experience uh, of, uh, um, well, let me finish. The, the devotees may, 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 may give us difficulties, but on the other hand, without them, I cannot make any advancement. I need the association of devotees. The association of, of non-devotees is not at all helpful. We've had this experience uh, that, that people talk about it, that when they, when they first became into contact with Krishna consciousness, they seemed to make a huge amount of spiritual advancement at once and had many realizations uh, and really were like, seemed to be racing back to Godhead and then at a certain point it seemed to stop. Usually when they got initiated during <laughs> that time. And things became more difficult. And this is such a phenomenon I've heard people in classes sometimes give a reason for it, that in the beginning Krishna gives you some extra mercy to encourage you, but then after a while it, it kind of it kind of goes away and then you have to do things for yourself. Now that's not exactly wrong, but it's a little inaccurate. I think what happened in the beginning is, for example, it's an offense to disobey the order of the spiritual master. Well, in the beginning I didn't even know what his orders were. So I couldn't make that offense. <laughs> Later on, I found out. Or, I thought all the devotees were great souls. Coming to temple the first time, oh, they're, I really, you know, then you get to know them. <laughs> <laughs> and, and it becomes a little more difficult. And you know, sometimes you're living with people and there's somebody that will always leave their socks in the temple room. Why do they always leave? You tell them not to leave their socks and they keep leaving their socks. In the it becomes something of a challenge <laughs> to deal with people and their different habits and things like that. We understand that. So, but we need the association of devotees. And we, we also owe it to others 
to give to be good association ourselves and not not to hurt other people by being nasty and causing other people to uh, commit Vaishnava Amaran. So so all but but the the, the 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 first thing is the relationship with Krishna uh, that we are reestablishing. And then the other thing that goes with it is the relationship with Krishna's devotees. Both these relationships are the ones we have to work on. We have that dedicated time with Japa, or especially with our relationship with Krishna. And we can ask him, Japa, we're calling on Krishna. Please engage me in your service. The, the logic, the equivalent, to say that another way is please free me from something that is blocking my engagement in your service. And that can be our relationship with others or some bad habit we want to become. We should be asking him for these specific things. So th th this, this is part of the meaning of Sankirtan. Uh, and to, to, to work on this uh, pramadaha, this inattentiveness uh, to the holy name when chanting, especially japa and kirtan, and then the relationship with Krishna's devotees and all the other of uh, 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 the offenses against the holy name. They all become we can deal with them so long as we are dealing with this uh, pramadaha is inattentiveness while chanting. We're showing, and, and that dealing with that inattentiveness uh, of trying to, just trying to pay attention is showing Krishna that we are interested in this relationship. And when Krishna sees our interest, he then reciprocates. Just as we are just making our effort, he'll reciprocate and, and we will feel. Thank you, Hare Krishna. Before I take the microphone back, I'm going to ask him, Ravindra Srupabhu, to explain something that you were talking about in the car, that the, the meaning of pramadaha as distraction. Oh, yeah. This is the word, api pramadaha. Uh, uh, the, the literal meaning of pramadaha is insanity. Uh, and it also means distraction. When your mind should be on one thing, but it's on something else. A and uh, in older English, uh, to be mentally disturbed was also called distraction. In Shakespeare's play Hamlet, who has this trouble, you know, troubled mind, he says, holding his head to his hands to his head, oh, this distracted globe. You know, it doesn't mean, it means that it's mentally disturbed. So these are two different things. Actually, I mean, the basic insanity is not thinking of Krishna. <laughs> that's what, that we are distracted. And we live in the age of distraction. The, the, the famous poet T.S. Eliot, uh, who became very religious in his later life, described the modern world as distracted from distraction by distraction. 
we, we are supposed to be having our attention. Human life is meant for self-realization. We're distracted by that, by hard work to earn money and be responsible citizens. We're distracted from that by watching, binge-watching television shows, alcohol, all these other things where you can't even be. <laughs> so, so we're distracted from distraction by distraction. There's so many distractions. So that's we are really in a bad shape. That's our culture, uh, and there's so there's industries of distraction to keep you avoid thinking about the miseries of life. So this is our real topic: spiritual advancement. Human life is meant for self-realization, and we are so many ways to get distracted and distracted and distracted and so on. It's it, that's. It's up Rodaho. So this is Pramada, distraction, inattentiveness, or insanity. All those are myths. Okay. So some some of you came a bit after we, we began, so I'll go back to where we began so you understand the setting. <clears throat> um, seven of us in the room here spent a whole day in Tuaco Temple, Tuaco, New Jersey, with a regional gathering, get together, meeting. And we were speaking about several things, but progressively as a region, how can we? go forward, work together, what are some of the different different types of things we could do to assist one another and help spreading Krishna consciousness. And we spent nice nice discussions on those topics. We had Vaisheshika Prabhu um, join us through um, a Skype, Skype conference talking about expanding book distribution. And that was really nice. And then we spent some time with what we were calling best practices. Who does different things very successfully, very nicely, and we heard a number of those. And one of the elements of that section was Chandrasekhar Swami <coughs> presenting for you know the 20, 25 of us that were there. Um, a project that he's been working on which he's called Sangha, or association, Sangha for higher principles. And we really liked uh, what he's doing, and so we thought Rabindra Srupravu and I would speak to that topic. And what you heard him just explain was, from the chanting of the Holy Name, we can become eligible to enter into genuine relationships or unobstructed relationships because of purified consciousness, but there are some things we have to overcome. That's a little summary. Um, I thought I would speak about two points in, in amplifying all of this, or continuing the same message. 
we're the Sankirtan movement, and the, the first verse of Lord Chaitanya's instructions, Param Vijayate, Sri Krishna Sankirtana, describes the glories of the holy name. I, I have a whole seminar on the seven wonders of the holy name. And in the second verse, Lord Chaitanya describes some of the things that the holy name does. It's a, it, it, one is not unable to approach the holy name by not following certain rules and regulations. Krishna has made himself fully available. In each and every one of his names, all of his potencies are there. And he has hundreds and millions of names. And despite knowing all these things, he concludes, how unfortunate I am. I have no attraction. Tavakripa and Mama Durdaiva. Your mercy and my misfortune. Contrast. Yeah. <laughs> Krishna is making himself readily available. Here I am. Just call my name. I'm there. Like a nice song. You know. <laughs> <laughs> Whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> Call my name and I'm there. But we have no attraction. What great misfortune. And so the next verse is how to overcome that misfortune. The misfortune our acharyas describe as due to offenses when chanting, where we have no attraction. That's the misfortune may be, I don't have attraction, but the greater misfortune that precedes that misfortune is we make offenses. So, this is about, you know, how to have association, that the theme, all of this, is how to have association that's genuine, wholesome, meaningful. By the way, kind of like over here, I slept... Something that I like, I've liked to do since I can remember being a Hare Krishna devotee, because I became a devotee um, while being a student at a university. Prabhupada came to that university, and I didn't know who he was or anything, but it had an obvious, significant impact on my life, and I felt very grateful of what Prabhupada was doing by giving Krishna consciousness to others. So I've always had this sense of yearning to give back or follow in my spiritual master's footsteps and assist him in that mission. So I've been spending this whole month of September so far um, visiting universities. In fact, that's where I'm going tomorrow is visiting, whoops, not tomorrow, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, visiting colleges in Boston and then colleges in Minneapolis and colleges in Chicago and colleges. So the theme that I've been speaking about is, it's, it's a catchy title, Authenticity of Individuality Beyond the Conformity Game. Subtitle, Beyond the Conformity Game. So it's just, a, it's, it's not, anyway, without the, it, it's not possible, that, that after so many, many, many things of explaining what people do that's fake, or not who they really are, or pretension, or camouflage, or 
marketing themselves and, and so on. The consumer ethic and consumer economics plays its way into relationships where you go in and try a, a few relationships on, like a pair of shoes, and find one or two that kind of feel all right for you, and you uh, acquire them and use them for a while, and then discard them and go find some other ones. Very unsatisfying. And you know, everyone knows it, and everyone understands it, but what's the option? And in short, we're, dis we're discussing that the option of even in Krishna consciousness carrying those um, conditioned, imposed by material nature, imposed by your own you know, circumstances and which are the product of our own free will, misuse, and so on. No, this that are the chanting of the holy name is the alternative. So part of it is to know and then another part of it is how you approach that which you know. That's what we're talking about. So Lord Chaitanya's teaching is to overcome that misfortune of having the greatest thing but not applying ourselves in the proper way to that greatest thing. <clears throat> is he starts with humility. Trinadapi Sunichena, you all know the verse. Now, how do we apply it? We apply it, one of the ways that we apply it is in our relationships with other devotees. And it's not a coincidence that the first of the offenses against the chanting of the holy name is to offend devotees when chanting the holy name. It's an offense against the holy name. It's not just an offense against the devotee. It's offense against the holy name. And we make offenses against the holy name we don't experience the holy name we don't certainly don't experience the fullness or the love of god that comes from the holy name and so like rabindra sarupa was explaining these stages offensive clearing and pure we need to enter into the clearing arena so part of the clearing arena, he explained so nicely, where our attention goes when we're chanting. Because what happens is, if you place your attention properly when chanting, then you'll have that strength, spiritual strength, to place your attention properly when you're doing the other things that you do after chanting, and before chanting, and all day long. Your Krishna consciousness and proper regard for the holy name carries forward to your proper regard for devotees or devotees because demonstrated by their chanting the holy name so how to give how to give proper regard for the other devotees starts with our own humility we can't have proper regard if we don't have humility in our heart so it's a nice Trin means straw. I like the way Dina Bandhu describes. <coughs> straw and, and grass. So 
So grass is straw, excuse me, straw is grass that's been cut. Sometimes it's, you know, feeling myself lower than a blade of grass. But when you step on a blade of grass, it bows down, but then comes back up again. But straw stays down. And lower than that, because how, how significant is a piece of straw? Answer, not very significant. Feeling oneself worthy of being stepped on by the devotees, as we know, Uddhava had that desire. He wanted to be a blade of grass in Vrindavan so that the gopis would step on his head because if he could get the dust from the lotus feet of the gopis upon his head, his life would become perfect because of their stage of perfection. Get their mercy by the dust from their feet upon his head. So, humility in one's dealings with devotees uh, is very important. And hu hum humility just humility well, let's say a couple things humility doesn't mean hum material humility material humility I learned growing up the model of turn the other cheek that kind of humility somebody slaps you go ahead hit me on the other side that's one kind of humility but the spiritual conception of humility is different um, it's before Krishna, I'm very tiny. And we are. Mami Vangsa Jiva Loke, Jiva Bhuta Sanatana, before Krishna, we're very, very tiny. Tiny, fragmental part of Krishna. And that, that was Prabhupada's explanation given to two big devotees. I knew, the New, I knew the New York one, but I heard the same thing was told to Parandar in Los Angeles. Let's run through it just because it's nice. Um, the story that I heard directly from Satsurup Maharaj was there. When Brahmananda, you know, big Brahmananda, Prabhupada disciple, who was a big devotee in more ways than one, he was the temple president and he was looking after so many responsible things and many devotees under his care and one morning they were in a going for a morning walk in, in New York and Brahmananda said, Prabhupada, it's very difficult to remain humble because I have so many people answering to me and you know, how do I remain humble? And his answer was in relation to Krishna were insignificant. But he the way he described it, he said, far, far beyond this material world is the spiritual world. Chief most of the planets of the spiritual world is Goloka Vrindavan. And it's many, many, many times bigger than any of the Vaikuntha planets, and there's so many Vaikuntha planets. And the big vastness of the spiritual sky. And in some part of the vastness of the spiritual sky, there's a cloud of material energy. And in that cloud of the material energy, a portion of a plenary portion of Krishna has expanded Maha, as Mahavishnu, and from the pores of the skin of Mahavishnu 
are coming unlimited numbers of universes. And in one of those universes, there's this planet Earth. And in this planet Earth, there's seven continents. And one of those continents is North America. And part of North America is the United States. And in the, amongst the United States, there's one state called New York State. And one of those states, and one of the cities of that state is New York City. And there's so many millions of people all over the city of New York. And here, standing on Mott Street, you're asking me, how do I feel myself humbled? His ego bubble got burst. Because from a spiritual perspective, we're insignificant. But what's significant is that Krishna's kind in giving us opportunity to serve him, despite the fact, as Ravindra Srupabhu is describing, we've broken our relationship with Krishna. We turned our back and walked. He didn't. We did. And he's inviting us to come back and making arrangements for us. And we're lacking in humility. If we recognize our, our factual position, humility is a very, very natural thing. And then regarding others who are practicing devotional service, because there's this spark of desire to serve Krishna also within their heart, our respect goes to that spark that's within their heart. Same point that you were making. Amongst all the living entities, these are very, very special people special souls because there's this attraction and and while there's covering as well as that attraction there's the attraction and my relationship with respect to the fact that there's this spark of attraction within the soul is in service to the supreme soul let me be of some service to that individual how to remind them of Krishna by my words and my actions and my interactions with them and how I can be in service to this soul with attraction for Krishna. And in that way we can relate with the devotees of the Lord while we're chanting the holy name and enter the clearing stage. The purpose of entering the clearing stage, going back to our, the frame of, of our discussion here, so we can become pure. And an essential element of that becoming pure is that we have proper relationships with the devotees of the Lord. Now, going back to what Ravindra Prabhu said, without attentiveness and chanting, that's not going to happen either. But the, the very... Um, Chandrasekhar Swami was sharing with us our group in Tuanko. Is that there's, it's not a mistake that this first offense is in the first position. The offense to the devotees of the Lord will carry over as offense to all the other types of offenses, the same as inattention. So it's a very, very important principle. And I, I guess, you know, I'm an advocate of what Chandrasekhar Maharaj is presenting. Um, there's different venues that he's attempting to make this understanding available. Um, we're encouraging him as he goes along to 
gradually codify in, in curriculum and maybe even other ways? Like, so at some point, I'm thinking, I was thinking this as we were sitting there in Tuaco. As you do this, you know, once, twice, thrice, at some point, not just audio recordings, but video recordings, or it's interactive with the audience, so the audience may not be there. But like, like Nilamani was sharing with us about their attempt at, at Bhakti Shastri, and you know, it started like so many, and then it came down to two because people are busy. So, similarly, this, the principles are so important. At some point, you're, you're invest. Anyway, this is just was the thought that came. So when, when you have an opportunity to, to, to um, if your schedule and your, your whole life situation permits, listen, attend some of these gatherings that Maharaj is arranging. Um, we're kind of like su supporting and appreciating the message that he wants to deliver and encouraging you to take part in it. <coughs> so any questions or points that any of you would like to bring up from this topic? Yeah. I have been a participant of Chandrasekhar um, Swami's uh, series of classes. And I, I, in the beginning, I did not um, think to, you know, I, I Took it lightly in the beginning, but as the weeks went by, sessions went by, I started to see how important this class has been, and um, I started to focus. One thing that stands out is that, um, irrespective of what faults devotees may have. They certainly have some good qualities. And uh, instead of focusing on the faults, let's focus on the faults. Focus on the good qualities. So I've tried to do that and um, find it very helpful. Aside from how you regard those devotees by looking at their qualities rather than their faults, can you describe a little bit how it might have affected your chanting? Japa, particularly? Um, You're not sure. Actually, um, my Japa, um, I try separately to, I try separately to chant better, chant good quality chanting. It's not really uh, as a result of the class that I've been trying to... Well, let, let, let me be specific. Ravindra Surprabhu was, was sharing with us in the car right over here. Distraction. So when someone has, is, you know, on your nerves because of something they've said or done or... What happens when you're chanting Japa? Oh. Oh. <laughs> it's very hard really to focus on the chanting. And, um, and conversely, when you're not focused on the, the stuff that they're carrying, but they're appreciating the qualities, doesn't that help the quality of your chanting? Yes, of course. That's my point. Yeah. And one other thing that Ravindra Prabhu was saying, 
here as well as in the car, which I very much appreciate. It's true. When you start focusing properly on the holy name, because you've properly regarded the devotees, or a little more closely properly regarded, the configuration, my language is, the configuration of duality starts to change. You know, like, what's out there? Not only how you see what's out there, but what's out there. Things start to change. Not like, you know, you put on rose glasses and everything looks rosy. But things start to change. Yeah. I think you see deeper, actually, than <laughs> what you see. So you would like to comment on that? So I would like to ask quite others to this class, Chandrasekhar class. I was wondering if uh, you all could share about what to do, this is certainly related, what to do when you're trying to develop good relationships with devotees, but, but <laughs> your very presence is just an offense to somebody else. I mean, you're, even just you taking up space and breathing is like offensive to someone else and, 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 how, to, and, how, to, and how, to deal with, how to deal with that and still remain neutral and equipoise. Particularly when you're trying to do do the right thing in your heart, and it's still just coming out bad. I know what the feeling is. I certainly have felt that feeling, and. on the one hand, but on the other hand. So, it's a good space to be in. It's, it's like, it's a real good opportunity to be real humble. Because the alternative is, you know, not nice. It's defensive, it's, you know, it's other things that are, that are not Krishna conscious, you know, without the whole inventory. Continue to be in a service mood. Continue to be in a service mood. Like Chandrasekhar Bhaj was saying, pray. If this was his, one of his messages over there. It, it's a genuine, it's a genuine Krishna conscious response. Not just pray, you know, keep this person that <laughs> sending all these bad vibes away from me, Krishna. Please protect me from this bad vibe situation. Pray to, pray to become, you know, uh, accept whatever this is. There's some imperfection within me. Let me become free from that imperfection. Whatever the past wrongdoings that have been the cause of this situation, let me accept it. And let me stay in the position of a well-wisher. And it's you know, in the mood of service. It's nice. It's the mood of humility. And then when you chant, wow. It's powerful chanting. The connection with Krishna, which is what we want, comes through. 
Yay! So it's a great opportunity, not, you know, a problem. I mean, it's a problem, but it's, at the same time, it's a great opportunity. And then the intelligence that Krishna can give you how to be, not like deal with the situation as much as be in the proper mood of service. What, and it, it may be so many things that, that Krishna will give you intelligence how to do, what to do. But the intelligence will come when you're in that consciousness of being in the mood of a servant than if you're being in the mood of a, you know, something else. An enjoyer, controller, or defensive, or whatever it is, you know, the, the menu. You had something. No? Okay. Anyone? So, let's have our tea. Thank you for coming. <laughs>